Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Welcome back to Japers Rink Radio. I'm your host, Greg Young. And today, in uh, recapping game two of the first round against the Islanders, I figured that uh, there are bigger things to talk about than just game two, because I think as JP and I will, I'm assuming, get into, uh, there, I think, were just have been bigger things going on for the Capitals over the last couple of years since Todd Reardon took over. So uh, I kind of betrayed who our guest is, but it is the uh, masthead of the site, uh, John Press. John, how are you doing today? Uh, I'm doing all right. Had a night to sleep on it uh, after that game and ready to dissect whatever you want to dissect. So let's do it. Let's do it. All right. Well, I think the the big question that at least it seems to me is. I think I'm actually going to start with a with a kind of broad question, and then I'm curious to kind of hear where you go with it. So I, to me, it seems like the Capitals, I can't really tell. This doesn't seem like a team that is seriously competitive to win the Stanley Cup right now as it's constructed. And I could see potentially two big explanations for that. One is that it's a coaching issue and that Reardon just is not up for this job. But also the other thought I've kind of had is I almost wonder if the Capitals have a little bit of the Blackhawks of 2016-17 in them in the sense of this is a a team that is in many ways you could consider a dynasty, but all dynasties end at some point. And when they end, they can end pretty abruptly and quickly. So I don't know, kind of where are you at on is this just a coaching problem or are we maybe looking at the end of a window here? Um, I mean, I think it can be a little bit of both. Um, but, you know, the way I look at it is um, 
is there a coach out there? Are there coaches out there who could be doing more with this roster? And uh, I think it's hard to argue that that's not the case. Uh, You know, the roster, there's ostensibly a good top six. Uh, There's a playable uh, defense that, that looks pretty good. And, uh, on paper, and you have a goalie who, when things are working out in front of him, uh, I think is a, a slightly above average goalie probably at this point in his career. I know that others would probably um, argue that point, but uh, I, I think that the roster that uh, that Brian McClellan has assembled may not be as good as we thought it was, and uh, certainly isn't as good as those rosters from say 2016 through 2018 uh, were. But uh, I think it's a good enough roster that uh, a good coach could win with it. And that's not to say that all the problems that this team has right now are coaching because uh, I don't think they are, but uh, I think that this is a roster that could be competitive. I think that the East uh, right now is somewhat open. I think Tampa, when they're playing well, is probably the class of the group. But, you know, uh, the, the, there aren't any teams in uh, the East that when the Caps are playing well and with this roster, they can't play with. So, you know, I think it's a little bit of both. Uh, I, I, I don't think that they have the bottom six scoring depth that they thought they had, um, you know, Oh, Ilya Kovalchuk, unfortunately, has turned out to be a bit of a flop. Uh, I think he has one goal in 12 games with the Caps. Uh, obviously, you know, this season it has been crazy, uh, stopping in March, coming back in August or whatever. Uh, but still, you know, uh, I don't think they've gotten the, the fourth line scoring since, you know, back in the fall, it seems. Uh, and Carl Haglin doesn't do anything. Uh, Jacob Vrana hasn't done anything, and I think maybe we can get into Vrana a little bit at some point uh, during this uh, chat. But uh, they're they really not getting uh, the production that they need, and I think a lot of that uh, is because the uh, of the systems and the schemes that they have in place. I mean, it's hard to have sustained offense when you can't get the puck out of your own fucking zone under control. Yeah. And, and they, I mean. Their their breakouts are horrific. Their in zone defensive coverage is bad, and uh, you know anybody can say it's effort, motivation, attention to detail, and stuff. But ultimately, uh, it's on the coach to get them focused and uh, to draw up the scheme. So uh, to me, it all kind of comes back on him. And then you know, uh, I, if it doesn't. Uh, I guess if it comes back on him, then it all comes back on Brian McClellan and, you know, so on up the chain. But uh, I, I think this is a team that still could be competitive, but, um, you know, it, it's it's changing. It's a it's a team that's changing. Uh, I think the, the Caps PR put out a, a note the other day that the they're the only team in the league that currently has their franchise uh, playoff goal, point, assist, points by defensemen, and wins leaders on the roster. So that speaks to the sustained sustained success that this core has had and how they've been able to keep this core together. But, uh, 
you know, it, it's coming to an end. Uh, Braden Holpe, probably unlikely to be here next year. Rest of those guys will still be here, I think. Uh, but, you know, I, I think the roster could use some tweaks, uh, but I think they also could be doing more with the roster they have. Yeah, and we talk about coaching, and I think it's easy as Caps fans to say, oh, well, it's a Caps problem, right? And I, I will say I think that Barry trots the system that he has with the Islanders is in many ways – I mean, I I think I tweeted this out that the Islanders kind of have one big trick, right, which is to forecheck the hell out of you and make it really difficult to leave the zone. And at least to me, and I'm kind of curious what your thoughts are, it seems that that system is kind of magnifying the underlying issues that the Capitals already have. And it's just making it clear stuff that we've already seen over the last, you know, couple of years since Reardon took over. It seems like it's kind of magnified in these two games, is it not? Um, yeah, I think that that's probably fair. Um, and, you know, we, we talk about coaching and uh, one of my sort of pet uh, theories or uh, whatever you want to call it, uh, pet thoughts that I think doesn't get enough attention um, generally is the difference between uh, regular season and playoff coaching. And uh, people don't seem to really recognize that. They think it translates one-to-one. If you're a good coach, you're a good coach. And that, that's simply not true. And, uh, you know, in the regular season, you, first of all, you win a lot of games on skill. Uh, a skill advantage in the regular season uh, can can get you a lot of wins uh, with nothing else, just because that, that's the way the regular season goes. It's a grind and, you know, every night, uh, you know, you can't be playing a hundred percent. So sometimes skill gets you by, uh, but also in the regular season, you're focused on your team, what you're doing and your systems. Um, whereas in the postseason, you're focused uh, on what the opponent's doing and countering what the opponent's doing. It, you know, the regular season, it's not the NFL. You don't have a week to sit there and watch film and, uh, scheme how you're going to, you know, defend the power play or how you're going to uh, defend the other team's best player. It's a, you know, it's a different beast. You, you have, you're playing every two, three nights or whatever. Um, you're just doing your thing and hoping that it works against uh, the other team's thing. And so, you know, if you've got some good systems or some uh, tricks up your sleeve or whatever, you can win a lot of games. And the Caps have done that for the past decade. You know, they, they've it's often been uh, the power play uh, that the teams weren't really scheming against and able to figure out. And so the Caps could get a goal or two a night in the regular season on the power play. And, you know, if you're getting a goal or two a night uh, on your power play and getting another goal or two at even strength, you're going to win a shitload of games. You know, that that's if you're scoring three or four goals a night, you're, you're going to win games. And so uh, that that's how you carry through a regular season. But then you get to the postseason and it's about adjustments. And to your point about uh, this being sort of magnified, uh, I thought the Caps came out last night uh, in game two looking look pretty good. good. Yeah, they yeah. look pretty good. They got the early goal. They were their breakouts were fine. And then. You know, maybe halfway through the first period, they, he didn't even have to wait to get to intermission. But the the Islanders made adjustments and 
that was it. I mean, the Caps breakouts from probably about the 10 minute mark of the first period or whatever, uh, were just horrible the rest of the night. They, they, they couldn't do anything. And, uh, it's those breakouts. It's the same issue that, uh, really plagued the Caps against Carolina last year. And, you know, in a lot of ways, the Caps were probably lucky to go seven with uh, Carolina, the way they were getting caved in at five on five uh, through a lot of that series. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's magnifying the same issues. It's the it's the breakout. It's, uh, to an extent, in-zone defensive coverage. It's uh, entries on the power play. It, you know, it, these things aren't going getting better. And, um, you know, Todd Reardon, uh, by all accounts was an excellent assistant coach, um, and has the rings to prove it. Uh, and you know, does that translate to being a good head coach? I don't know. Might it someday? It might, you know, he might end up being a very successful head coach. Uh, but, back to their earlier point about this roster and getting older and, and transitioning everything. I don't think the caps necessarily have the time to sit around and wait to see if, if he gets better. Uh, so uh, if this series continues to go the way it's going and you know, that's a, that's a big if um, you know, the caps have to have uh, some tough decisions to make um, you know, this could all turn around, but uh, there's little, indication right now that that will be the case so you know let let's see but um you know you can't say that the red flags aren't there yeah and and one thing i know that you've written about and i'm kind of i i I want you to kind of talk a little more about is you wrote an article about the difficulty of transitioning from being an assistant head coach to a head coach and kind of both from a psychological standpoint and also just from a kind of logistical standpoint, why that's a difficult transition. And I'm kind of curious um, what, if you wanted to elaborate on that and kind of, do you think that your thesis on that maybe has been, I, w- I won't say proven because so much of head coaching is we're just not going to know, but do you think, do you see, do you feel um, maybe like parts of it have been a little bit more vindicated for you? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I'll let uh, other people figure out whether it uh, gets it's borne out or not. I, I did write just before the uh, break back in March. I wrote a, a piece called "Good Cops, Bad Cops," and Todd Reardon. And the basic premise of it, uh, I looked at some other uh, coaches who had taken over uh, after Stanley Cup winning coaches left. You know, just and, and generally making that transition from assistant coach to head coach. And, you know, th- there's, there, there are a lot of, uh, sort of warning signs there. Um, you know, when you're an assistant coach, you're kind of, uh, the good cop, right? You're the guy who, uh, the players can go to and be like, man, coach is being a hard ass, whatever, you know, when the coach reams them out or you, you go there and you, you have those soft skills, right. That, uh, that you need to deal with. And then, you know, how do you go from that role to being in the authoritarian role as the head coach, you know, where, where accountability uh, is so important and uh, these other these other traits that head coaches have to have that are different than assistant coaches. And I think it's a different a, a difficult um, transition. I mean, you can't go from being everybody's buddy to being uh, everybody's boss. It, it's, you know, uh, 
I think I think there was a, a friend a friends episode uh, where Chandler uh, becomes the boss and everybody thinks he's a dick. I mean, obviously Chandler was a dick, but like you know the anyway about uh, back to the point. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the the the, uh, the the usual uh, friends diatribe in Japers Drink Radio. Right, right, yeah. yeah. I, I, I've never that that's a new one for me. Well, yeah, I guess you guys are a little younger, maybe. Uh, but uh, <laughs> I, I have watched a few episodes, uh, although it's off Netflix now, right? So I I don't really know. I guess I could go to Peacock or whatever, but I don't I don't really know. Where uh, it it's probably not worth it. But. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Anyway, you know, there are the, these problems that come with the, uh, with elevated assistance. And, you know, I don't know that that's the problem that uh, that Reardon has had. Um, but, you know, uh, it's out there and it's a thing just to think about uh, as uh, these things change, as these roles and responsibilities on a team change. Yeah, there, there's another th- theory that I want to posit, and I'm, I'm kind of curious about your your input on this one. At least to me, a lot of what, and I'm going to draw an Adam Oates comparison, and I'm sorry for doing this in advance, because I do think Todd Reardon's a better coach than Adam Oates. But one thing that I particularly noticed with Oates, because he was, I think, also an assistant coach, right? Or he was a special teams coach or something mm-hmm. like that. Right. was he was very individual player focused. Like his big thing was, here's how I'm going to rescue Alex Ovechkin. And Todd Reardon, a lot of the stories have also been kind of how he's helped players like Dimitri Orlov and John Carlson to kind of harness their skills and become better players. And I'm wondering if maybe you could get a little too individualistically focused as a head coach. And maybe this that's where things like the system that you're running or general accountability kind of maybe struggle a little bit. And I don't, there's no way to really quantify what I'm saying, but does that kind of roughly make sense? Yeah, I mean, I buy it. And that's why you have assistant coaches, right? To do that yeah. shit. So, um, you know, I, I certainly buy it. I certainly... Uh, at the time and in retrospect, think it's important to have good assistance, particularly when you're um, new to head coaching. But uh, a lot of times the head coaches don't want, you know, you don't want to put, you know, um, these experienced former head coaches as your assistant coach when you're a new guy, because uh, you want to be the guy you want to have. So when you're Adam Oates, uh, you know, are you going to put, uh, experienced coaches on your bench, you should, but you're not going to. You're going to get mm. Callie Johansson and, uh, you know, <sighs> the, the other guys uh, that that he had who aren't going to question. Right? Olaf Kolzik, I think. Was yeah, fun. yeah. I mean, he was uh, definitely. And so you get guys who are, uh, you know, where there's no question who's the boss. Uh, and so, you know, I, I think we've discussed and written about uh, Reed Cashman's impact on the team, probably not being a very positive one generally. And, uh, you know, to me, I'm a person who likes to surround himself with uh, people who are smarter and better than I am, as evidenced by uh, the people who write uh, on our site and do our podcasts and that kind of thing. Uh, So, so you're you know, talking Adam Stringham, obviously. Yeah, Adam, <laughs> all of them, uh, every yeah. one of them. Uh, you know, you, you should be learning from the people around you. You know, if you're 
if you're the smartest person in the room, you need to find another room because that's not how you uh, grow. These are life lessons from JP, by the way. These are broadly applicable. This is not just about. (laughs) I'll I'll, I'll market this not as a sports podcast, but a a general life advice podcast. Right. It's a mental health. uh, So, yeah. Which we need after watching these Capitals games. Tell me about it. So, uh, (laughs) right. I mean, you know, to me, you surround yourself with the uh, the best and brightest people, and uh, you know that's how that's how you get a great product. That's you know, in many ways, you look at the 2018 club and the you know the the whole of Barry Trotz's tenure here, and it it was like an all star team of coaches. In a lot of ways, you know, Uh, Mitch Korn, obviously one of the great goalie coaches that has ever existed. Um, Lane Lambert and Lambert Lambert. Right. (laughs) I I go to the French for anyway, uh, Lane Lambert and uh, Todd Reardon both uh, have been sought after uh, assistance to to, for head coaching gigs. And, you know, Blaine Forsyth for a moment there was uh, a power play wizard. So, you know, they they've had. a good assembly of guys behind the bench and uh, the results reflected that, you know, I don't, I don't think you can say the th- same thing about uh, the the crew that is there now, but maybe someday they come into their own as well. Yeah. So I guess one to kind of go to specifics a little bit. One thing that I've been kind of baffled by is just the amount of players that have been invisible. I mean, we're talking right now in this series that there are two players for the Capitals that have scored all of their goals, TJ uh, Oshie and Alex Ovechkin. And I mean, to me, it seems like we've talked about depth before, but it's kind of been invisible in this series. And I'm, I, I've written before on the site calling Jakob Rana a elite NHL forward, which I, I still, I guess, believe. But oh boy, he's been awful this series. And I look at also players like. Just Brendan Dillon, Dmitry Orlov, uh, and kind of players that the Capitals need these guys to step up, and they just haven't. And it's it's hard for me to kind of separate any one player from kind of the team-wide malaise that they've been in. But I don't know. It seems also that just the Capitals' depth so far in the series has kind of failed them, huh? Yeah. I mean, the, the depth has failed them, but, uh, you know, so has the— the high-end talent out, outside of Ovi and uh, Oshi, uh, each scoring a couple in uh, the respective games. Uh, you know, I I think that uh, Tom Wilson's played okay, took some silly penalties, but, uh, you know, he's got to translate it. Vrana hasn't really. Obviously, missing Backstrom sucks, uh, but, yeah. you know, it, like we said earlier, uh, I think that they their depth, uh, maybe overrated, you know, uh, like we said about Kovalchuk, one goal in 12 games for the Caps. Carl Hagelin has no goals in a dozen playoff games for the Caps. And that's a dude who I swear to God scored every time they played against him in the playoffs. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, panic has done nothing. Eller has uh, one it hasn't scored since the first game against the Canes last year uh, in the playoffs. Um, so, you know, it's, we're a long ways from uh, when you had like Brett Connolly and Andre Burakovsky on the third line pumping in uh, goals. And um, the, 
you know, it shows the you would like to see more, obviously, from uh, Dmitry Orlov. But uh, I mean, it's sort of it's hard not to come back to um, systems and schemes and uh, breakouts. And, you know, it all starts there. Everything in the offensive zone starts you know, other than face-off wins that turn into sustained possession, everything in the offensive zone starts outside the offensive zone. And right now, the Caps' neutral zone play and breakouts sucks. And, uh, and they're bad. <laughs> yeah. And it's unwatchable. It, it's Yeah, it's brutal. And it's uh, credit to the Islanders for stifling it. Um, but uh, this is where... This is where good coaches show that they're good coaches in making those adjustments and uh, figuring out a way. You saw it uh, in 2016 and 2017 and 2018. You would see these uh, chess matches between Barry Trotz and Mike Sullivan, right, where one game uh, it looked like the Penguins figured it out and they were just uh, storming uh, the Caps. And then – Next game, the Caps would make a couple tweaks and they'd be on the the right foot. And, uh, you know, those were fascinating matchups to watch and to watch everything uh, that goes into into those uh, shifts in momentum. But right now uh, and, and not just right now, I mean, we're not just talking about two games, you know, at a minimum, we're talking about nine games. If we include the seven against the Canes last year um, at a maximum, we're talking about a lot of what we've seen in the regular season as well. But, you know, you're just not seeing that uh, as much of um, uh, a reactive uh, change from the caps in in adjusting. And uh, if you had to put playoff coaching uh, into like one word to summarize what playoff coaching is all about, it's adjustments. And um so far, uh, I haven't seen Todd Reardon able to make those adjustments. And uh, yeah, I, I, the, I know the question was about uh, players, but sorry, <laughs> I, I, ended, I ended up here. That's kind of where I was. I think I probably would have taken that question, too, is kind of saying it's hard to separate any one player from kind of the team malaise that they've had. So I don't know. I guess I mean, you you just mentioned that they're going to have to turn something around. Um I, I don't know about you. I don't really expect a ton of wholesale personnel changes at this point. I mean, may, they, they might get Backstrom back. We're going to, I guess, find out. It seems like reporting today is that there's a possibility he will play in game three. Although I think someone, he has a concussion history. I would hope that they would be extremely careful. Um, although it's hockey. And so who knows if they right. will be or not. Um, but I don't know. I if, if, if the Capitals turn this series around, how will they do it? Um, yeah, it, it's hard to see, right? Because, um, when they were, uh, zero two, oh, and I just, uh, I saw some breaking news on Twitter just now that distracted me for a moment. Um, but, clarify the breaking news. Uh, yeah. The Boston Bruins have tweeted a statement from Tuka Rask. I want to be with my teammates competing, but at this moment, there are things more important than hockey in my life. And that is being with my family. He's, so he's leaving the bubble and uh, piecing oh, wow. out. So that's that's crazy. Uh, I guess it's going to be Halak uh, Halak for the for the rest of the playoffs for them, huh? Yeah, and they have a game in like 
an hour. Um, yeah, that's right. <laughs> anyway, um, so how do the Caps turn this thing uh, around? Uh, you know, you, you could see it when they were down 0-2 to Columbus uh, two years ago. They had dropped those first two games. Uh, they were playing really well. Uh, they just uh, were let down by their their goaltending, to be honest. And, and uh, that was Grubauer. Uh, so then if you asked me, I'd say, go to Holpe, dude. <laughs> that, that's the that's <laughs> the way to do it. Uh, you know, everything else is kind of working. So just keep doing it and hope you get a bounce. And lo and behold, they got the bounce, right, uh, off of Eller in overtime. I, the, it... it Never ceases to amaze me how close the Caps were to um, being down 0-3 in that series. And then they're done. And then the cup never happens. But anyway. Um, but it's hard to The famous Down Girls Brown tweet of uh, if the Capitals score the next goal in game three, they're going to go to they're going to go on to win the Stanley Cup. And if they don't, then <laughs> Trotz is going to be fired and the Capitals are going to be back in the morass. Right. I mean, the, for, for all That's the... Yeah, for all right, for all of the um, the stuff about how the Caps should have kept Barry Trotz and this, that, and the other thing, you know, this is the same Barry Trotz that was dressing Mike Weber over Nate Schmidt uh, a year earlier or whatever, and uh, a guy who was almost fired in the middle of that season, a guy who told John Tortorella uh, in the handshake line in that Columbus series that he's gone, right? So uh, people are, are have a little bit of um, historical uh narrative bias maybe yeah maybe so but uh in any event it was clear then uh you know probably make you make the switch to Braden Holpe it's not as clear now because uh you know Holpe obviously was not good in game one uh he was better in game two but but the but this team's issues right now aren't uh as easy to pinpoint uh, and and fix, I don't think. It's not one guy. It's not bench Jake Vrana. It's not, you know, dress Connor McMichael. It's not uh, play Vitek Vanacek. It's, um, it, and it's not try harder. It's not, you know, in his uh, post-game presser uh, after game two, uh, Reardon said that they need more motivated players. And uh, you know what, coach, it, it's not just on the players here. Uh, that, that feels like the the quote that Bruce Boudreau gave right before he got fired, right? The uh, if, if these guys don't know how to motivate themselves, I don't know how to do it. Yeah, I mean, it does sort of uh, feel like that in a sense. But it's, uh, you know, maybe it just rubbed me the wrong way at the time and I see what I want to see in it be, but um, you know, to me, I, I would want my coach to be out there saying, you know, we've got to, we've all got to be better and it starts with me uh, or something like that. Just accepting some sort of uh, responsibility for being in the spot that they're in. Um, so, uh, you know, to answer your question about how they get back in this series, um I, I do think it will take uh, a more focused uh, effort, uh, but, you know, it's going to take some good fortune. And um, I, I guess keep plugging away. Uh, what can you say? I, I, you can shuffle the deck chairs if you want, um, but, you know, they uh, 
it goes deeper than um, just getting a couple bounces and, and keep on playing your game and get pucks deep and all this other stuff. Yeah, I think I agree. I think I agree. All right. Well, this has uh, been a uh, interesting and uh, I think, I think uh, thoroughly sobering uh, instance of uh, Japers Rink Radio. Uh, JP, where can uh, people find your stuff? Um, well, they they can find me at Japers Rink. Uh, and here it's a great site. It, well, I mean, it, it's the window's closing. It, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> It's not what it used to be, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and also, like a, a personal plug, uh, earlier this summer, I, I recorded a record and put it out. And if anybody wants to listen to it, yeah. Uh, it's if good. Any, I listened to it. Thanks, dude. Uh, yeah, if, any, if anybody wants to listen to it, you can find it on all your streaming platforms. It's called Isolation Station uh, by Jay Press. And uh yeah, check it out. Let me know what you think of it if you're into it. And, uh, you know, it, it won't take two and a half hours of your time and leave you depressed. It, it might be like 50 minutes of your time and leave you depressed or something. I don't know. There you go. Well, I mean, it's uh, that's that's uh, it's an efficient type of depression. That, that's, what we, <laughs> that's what we really strive for here on uh, Japers Rank Radio. Indeed, you know. indeed. <laughs> All right, uh, and you can find me at Greg Y underscore Jr. and uh, the podcast at Japer at Japers Rank Radio. Um, I also, if you like the show, I'm actually going to finally do this at the end of the show. Uh, please rate, rate, subscribe, and review and do all of those things. I know that this has not been the most uplifting episode, but I think it's good to talk about these kind of things. And uh, JP, thanks for coming on. Hey, my pleasure.